Let us pray. Precious Father, we thank you again for the privilege to be here to teach the word as you called us, and as you commissioned us. We trust you that you teach by your spirit and that you open our eyes, open our ears, and help us, Lord, to honor your word. To honor your word. To honor your word. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are back to our normal schedule after a long time. So I'm going to do some uh, kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, reminders, so to say, because it's important what we're teaching that we understand it, we don't forget it. And so we're going to do some reminders uh, because these things are key and foundational to our faith and success. Our faith and success and being healed, getting your prayers answered, all of this is, is hinging on the salvation, understanding your salvation and your salvation rights. I dare say that a lot of Christians are frustrated because they are going the route that is not the route that salvation gives them. So that's why we need to go and look at the doctrine and make sure that we go back and take it again. The Bible says if you remind believers of these things, you are a good teacher of the gospel. The reason we remind you is because when you are reminded, it gets rooted. When you have not had before, then you learn. When you have not had before, you learn. If you've had it before, you get rooted and watered. Because you need to water the word to produce. Christians don't understand so much how the word of God functions. They think it's an overnight something. Must do this quick. If they don't say result, oh, it doesn't work. It does work if you follow it the way the Bible prescribes it. Every seed needs to be watered. You don't sow a seed today and tomorrow you go for harvest. The word of God needs to be watered. And hearing it repeated is part of the way you water it. Just like you meditate on it day and night. It is the part of the way you water it until it produces in your life. So if you've had it before, then you're watering it. If you haven't had it, then you hear it. Remember, this teaching is not only for you. It's God all over the world. And so there are people who hear the first time. We thank God for them. And there are people who have had before. And like I said, it's been watered. So we're still talking about the scriptural doctrines of the church. The, the right doctrines that are scriptural, scriptural doctrines of the church. First Timothy 4.16 says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And so the Spirit of God is saying to Timothy, you must take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Very important. So when you do that, you save yourself, preacher, and then those who you teach. And so why is this teaching really very important? Because the scripture warns us seriously about false doctrine. It's one of the ways that the devil is going to deceive a lot of people in these last days. And if you want to know whether we're in the last days we are, all the signs of the last days are here. So in Acts 20, verse 28, it says, So God yourself and God's people feed the shepherd feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, 
will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock, even some men from your own church, from your own group, will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following to themselves. This is the Holy Spirit warning us. Paul said, after I'm gone, they are going to come and devour the sheep with false doctrines from outside, from within among you, those who will not listen. 1 Timothy 4 from verse 1 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true, true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. And there are a lot of it in the last days. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Is it happening today? Of course you know it's happening. And then the scripture says that the devil will try to blind people from the gospel. He does that with distractions, with you know, these false doctrines, and with focusing you on anything except Christ. Religion, fasting, anything except Jesus. Focusing you on anything except Christ. Focus you on the troubles around, troubles you have, problems you have, everything on the fault of your neighbor, the fault of your church, your pastor is not tall, oh look at him now, he's grown fat. It focuses you on junk. Television, you watch it, this game is all by four. It focuses you on anything but Christ. He will blind you. Blind you. You want to see, he will blind you, cover your eye with something. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. Not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. A lot of people are being blinded. Completely confused. The Lord Jesus called the devil the prince of this world. So when the Bible said the God of this world, it's talking about demons. The prince of this world because he's the ruler of this world. John 14, 13. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world cometh. I had nothing in me. That's why we are not of this world. You understand why we, you are not of this world? Because you didn't come from the prince of this world. We are of God. We are born of the Holy Spirit. We are not of this world. Even though we live here, we are not of this world. And that will teach you not to love the world and the fashions of this world. Because they are not from where you came from. Don't love the world and the fashions of this world. They are not from where you came from. The prince of this world, the God of this world is behind all of that. So what is doctrine? It's the teachings of the church. It's called the oracles of God because it is a direct revelation of God to man. That's why it's called the oracles of God. It's a set of belief of the church. Or even the political parties have their doctrine. 
groups have their doctrine. For the church of Jesus Christ, the source of doctrine is the Holy Bible. It is the Holy Scripture only. Only. O-N-L-Y. Second Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Number one, doctrine. For reproof. For correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, that is you, the Christian, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All scriptures is given by inspiration of God. It's a direct revelation of God to man. The, the purpose of it, to give us what we should believe. Your dream is not the source of our doctrine. Wonderful, we can be good though, but it's not, it's not the source of doctrine. Anybody that uses his dream, his vision, anything as authority for doctrine, it's not Bible. It might be good. I'm not saying didn't hear God, but that's not the source of doctrine. The source of doctrine is scripture. Isaiah 8.20. Look to God's instructions and teachings. Why? People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. We look to God's instructions in the Bible. I do have dreams and visions and things like that. And they're wonderful, but I can't use them as authority to teach a doctrine. No. It might support the doctrine, but the doctrine basically must come from Scripture. We were therefore instructed to be careful how we hear. Our primary responsibility that every Christian has, especially in these last days, is to sieve out what is not scripture. Unfortunately, many people are spiritually lazy. They don't study the Bible. They think it's not important. They have so many important things. Again, that demonic stuff gets you so engaged gets you totally so engaged that you have little time for the number one thing in your life that determines every other thing. Take heed therefore how you hear. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you hear. For who is, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever had not from him shall be taken even that which he submitted to have. We think we have no responsibility. When we come to church, we don't think we have a great responsibility to be careful what we are, how we are listening to the word of God. We think it's the pastor's responsibility to preach, and your job is sit there and sleep. No, 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 no. My brother, my sister, God will hold you accountable to the word he's giving you. That's why it's warning you. Be careful how you are listening. Take heed how you hear. It's my responsibility and it's your responsibility. Why? Matthew 6, 22. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. 
When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light, 23. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, if what you think you believe is actually a lie, a false doctrine, and you have believed it and been deceived, and you think it's true, he said, how deep that darkness is. How deep, how you are walking in darkness. How deep. And you know the spirit, the prince of the power of darkness. You, walk, you go into their realm, to their region. We do know that uh, people we in the, in the days in which we live, it's easy to worship people. It's not difficult to start worshiping a human being. Because it's part of our fallen nature. The new nature worships God. The old man resists God. The carnal mind resists God. doesn't want to worship God. We worship anything else but God. Man will worship anything, worship money, worship, worship another human being. But God will resist it. It's part of the fallen nature to hate God. Jesus said, they hated me without their cause. To hate God. And so, in the last days in which we live, people have exalted men above scripture. Oh, they say they are prophetic utterance, prophetic word. I respect that. I do respect that. But you must not exalt a man above the word of God. For God has exalted his word above his name. You can't do that. Because when you do that, you are in error already. You set yourself up for deceit. And it's happening today. People want to hear prophetic word, but they don't want to read their Bible. And let me say something here, my brothers and sisters. There is no more powerful sermon you can hear than taking your Bible and studying it at the feet of Jesus. There is, you don't have any more powerful word from any human being coming to you than the direct revelation of Scripture that you take with your Bible and sit at the feet of Jesus and pray, Lord, open my eyes and teach me. I start reading those words. There is no more powerful teaching. There is no more powerful sermon. There is no more powerful message than opening your scripture and reading directly and letting the Holy Spirit speak to you. You don't get anything more powerful than that. The people won't do that. They want prophetic word. <laughs> prophetic word. <laughs> Prophet, prophetic word. You know, we use words that are fanciful. Very fanciful. Religious, fanciful words. Again, I respect all those. I'm not knocking it. First Corinthians forces. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sake. Which means I'm using myself and Apollos as example. That you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. Don't exalt human beings above the scripture. God exalted his word above his name. How can you exalt a human being above 
the scripture of God. It says, it says, uh, not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against the other. And saying, this person is anointed, that's anointed, <laughs> it's anointed. And for Paul, for Apollos, for Paul, that is carnality. We should all exalt Jesus. We should all praise the name of Jesus at all times. Paul said, I and Apollos are nothing. We are nothing. That's why he says, I've shown you an example that we are nothing. We are just mere servants. And so when we do this kind of stuff, we are no more able to judge what they're saying. We create a God that is infallible in our eyes. And, you know, and we should honor people. We shouldn't violate scripture by not honoring people. When you do that, you lose some stuff. But they are not God. Paul has tremendous anointing. I don't know anybody living that has had greater intimacy with Jesus, knowledge or revelation, anointing, miracles like Paul. See what he said in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, I reject, I refuse to be exalted. He said, don't talk about me. Don't think about me. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. For I resolve to know nothing. I don't want to hear anything else. <laughs> don't, don't tell me. I don't want to hear anything else. To be acquainted with nothing. To make a display of the knowledge of nothing. To be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ the Messiah and him crucified. That's what it should be. He said, I don't want to hear anything else. I'm not interested in anything. I'm not, I don't have, I have no interest whatsoever. Well, my only interest is Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I suffered the loss of everything. That I might gain him. I don't want to hear anything. Don't, don't, don't give me all that kind of, I'm not interested. But this is what people are craving. <laughs> so they have written news, you know, you can't approve them. They have four, four phones with all this one is holding one phone, another phone, another phone. <laughs> I'm not knocking that. It's God. It's in God's hand to deal with it. So we must judge all things regardless of who is preaching. And if you don't want to be judged, stop preaching. You're not God. <laughs> Including me. Spiritual laziness. Lethargy. Apathy. That's what has come upon the world. Upon people. It's cold. People have developed this um, tepid, tepid attitude. Tepid, lukewarm, towards the things of God. And they're wondering why things are not going the way it should be. There's so much struggle, there's much laboring, because the flesh is ruling you. So we should judge as Berean Christians did. I'm never tired of reading this scripture, scripture, Acts 17, 11. 
These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. Yes, receive the word with readiness. But that's not where it ends. But that's where it ends for many people. And they wonder why it's not working. Because the devil will come and steal it. Because you, you, you don't have, it's not precious to you. The, the Bible talks of pr- these precious promises. Precious. Is, there, is it precious to you? The Holy Spirit called it precious promises. Precious. English is my, it's not my first language, but I know that precious means something special. Has the promises of God become precious to you? That you come to church and receive the word with all readiness? Is the word of God precious to you? Are you honoring it like we are told on Sunday? Have we not become too familiar? We come to church, do what you like. You can sleep. You can, you can be doing food. Can, this very word is being sent to heal you, deliver you, but you are not ready for it. And how do you get delivered and healed? And you run after prophets. Which chapter and verse tells you that? Sent to you to bring you your blessings. Oh, you don't have time for it. It's not precious to you. Because you don't know the value of the word of God. So these people, uh, they found it precious. And because it's precious, they want to make sure it is the real deal. They, they, they had to make time to, to make sure that, man, what I'm getting is the real word. The sincere, pure milk. I don't want contamination. This is precious to me, man. Have you ever bought a new car? Oh, you bought a new car. Sometimes you don't. You, you you don't want to. You want the car to. You know. You want you to, you to be the car to. You want to carry your car because it's so precious. It's new. In the morning you go and dust it. You know, dust it. And the people, children play around it. Say to my friend, girl, it's precious to you. You don't want anybody touching it. And when you are driving a new car, man, you are the best driver for the first one year. You are slow, you know. Uh, Brother Paul is laughing. You are slow. You know, you put your turn signals. Make sure nobody is coming. Because it's brand new. It just came out of this. What is precious to you? It is precious to you. The word of God was precious to them. And they said, we don't want contamination. We don't want anything that's not the word. We want the real deal. So what did they do? These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily. They were up to their responsibility of taking heed what they hear. Search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so that Paul was preaching. Check it against your attitude to the word. Why should it work for you? <laughs> Why is it precious? Didn't you hear God? Those who honor me are honored. If you honor the word, it works for you. You treat it as precious. You treat it as precious. And so Paul teaches only from the scripture. Because that's the only source of doctrine. Acts 6, 26 from, from 20, verse 22. 
but God has protected me right up to this present time. So why? So I can testify to everyone, from the least to the greatest, I teach nothing. Listen to this. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said will happen. What is written. I don't teach anything else. That the Messiah will suffer and be the first to rise from the dead and in this way announce God's light to Jews and Gentiles alike. He said, I don't teach anything else except what Moses and the prophets have written will happen. I follow scripture. That's all I teach. Acts 28, 23. So a time was set. Now, Paul was in Rome. He, you know, his last missionary journey was in Rome. Um, that's where his story really ended, in that trip to Rome. So he, he invited believers to his house. So that's the story right here. Acts 28, 23. Not only believers, he invited Jews. So, so a time was set. And on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained. It was like, you know, you have your house fellowship. That's what we should do in a house fellowship. We invite people to come to your home, into your lodging, so they hear the gospel, to hear the word of God. Are we ashamed of this word of God? He invited people to his lodging. We should invite people to our lodgings. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and try to persuade them about Jesus from scriptures. From scriptures. Why? The scripture is given to us for doctrine, instruction, and teaching. From scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets. Bible. What he had at the time. He spoke to them from morning until Evening, talk of sermon. One hour you are looking at clock. And we expect to have the same result like them. It's not gonna, it's not gonna happen like that. Because they were human beings too. This word was so precious to them. They were ready to pay any price to preach it. I had the first square pastor tell a story. He visited China and went into this underground church. And they know oh, it's from America. You know, America has very good name. I mean, wonderful name outside, which is good. So the oh, American preacher came. So they told him to preach to them. I asked them how long. They said, as long as you can preach right here. And the man said, what do you mean? He said, as long as. He said, how about one hour? They said, oh, I mean, four, five, six. We're ready to hear. Real story. And they didn't even have a Bible. Because if they saw you with Bible, the communists would deal with you. So everybody crammed, they crammed books of the Bible. So when you say, when you call somewhere, somebody will read the one here crammed. And they were not in air-conditioned place. They were hiding. And they said to him, preach as long as you want. We are here. This man came out, he said, God, I need help. He said, I really need, we become so comfortable, we become so lax, we become, these people, because they don't have it easy, the thing is so precious to them. You know, what you get so cheap, you esteem so low. Because their life is at stake, to, they, they, to them it's everything. 
He said, please continue to preach. We want to hear. One hour you are setting your clock. One hour. <laughs> Do, let me ask you a question. Do we really have anything more important than what God has to say? We expect the same result. Won't even read your Bible. You haven't read your Bible today. Some of you listening to me haven't even read your Bible today. And you're already slipping through the Bible studies. And you expect that word to work for you? Somebody should be saying the truth from the pulpit. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Every word is established on the witnesses of two or three scriptures. You don't take one verse. Don't take one verse and run with it and people won't hear. You make a doctrine out of it. You tw- people twist scripture. If the devil is wicked, people twist scripture. And because the Bible says their conscience is dead, they don't care. They will argue, argue, argue. We don't take one verse. Second Corinthians 13, 1. This is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. You don't take one verse. Take two or three scriptures. Especially Old Testament, New Testament. But let it be two or three. To establish it. And let the Bible interpret himself. The scripture interprets itself. If you let him. So the number one doctrine of the church of Jesus Christ is the gospel. This is the most important. It's by this we are saved. By this we have all the privileges we have with God. And every Christian must understand the gospel very well. If you don't, you, the devil will cheat you out of the benefits of it. Romans 1, 3. What is the gospel? Romans 1, verse 3. The good news is about his son. The gospel is about Jesus. The gospel it's about Jesus. It's about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God. Christ, the son of God. Believe is the son of God. When he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, God raised him from the dead. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell what am I supposed to tell? What is the gospel? It's about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for us. God raised him from the dead. And this is what we tell. To tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. If you are not telling people what God has done for them through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ, you are not preaching the gospel. If you, are not, if you don't know what God has achieved for you through Christ dying, being buried, resurrected, going to heaven, you, 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 you are missing the point. The gospel is the good news because it's about what God has given us, which we don't merit. And that's all you, that's all you have to live with. Here on earth, you don't have anything outside of you to live with. Here on earth, all things that pertain to life and godliness is what Christ died to give us. All of it. 
that will enable you to live a holy life, enable you to overcome sin, enable you to walk in health, enable you to walk in victory. All of it is packaged in what, what Christ gave us. So the gospel is to tell people what Christ did for them <laughs> so they can receive and believe and experience it. Look at verse 16, Romans 1, 16. Oh, sorry, let me finish it. The third Gentiles everywhere, what God has done for them, so they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Now, Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God that works, saving. He saves everyone. Saving. Everyone who believes it. Once you believe it, you are saved. And you are saved to the uttermost. You say, I don't feel anything. You don't have to feel anything. Save from the power of sin. Save from the kingdom of darkness. Save from this world. You are saved totally, completely. If the sun shall set you free, you are free indeed. You are saved. That's what tell people, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved. That's what he did for us. We are saved from the judgment to come, from the consequences of sin. None of it. We are saved, all of it. I would say he that believed is not condemned anymore. The Jews first and also the Gentiles. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. How God makes us righteous. That's what Christ did. He made us righteous. Tell people. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. You are righteous. Before God. Actually, there is no other way you can be acceptable to God except by faith in Christ. There is no other way. That's why Jesus said, nobody cometh to my Father except to me. You can't come to any other means except by your faith in him. So, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Just by believing. As the scripture said, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now let's read 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 1. Moreover, brethren, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. We received it and we stand on it. By which also you are, you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, because you can, you can drop it somewhere and start believing junk. Unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. He died so that your sins will be forgiven. Period. Died for our sins according to which I also, sorry, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, According to the scripture, that he, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. That's why the Bible says God was in Christ, not in putting iniquities, because already Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. If they don't know it, they will die and go to hell. But if they know it and receive it, their sins are forgiven straight away. They don't have to do it. They don't have to confess nothing. Their confession doesn't give you that. It is the death, the blood of Jesus that washes you of all Unrighteousness. 
Oh, people get confused because the scripture says if you confess your sins, it's writing to Christians already. Read the book. Faith John was not written to Hedes. He said, I write to you because you know the, you know the Father already. It's writing to those who are already saved. This is not about salvation. Number two, this is a work of grace, a gift of God, not what you achieve by your effort. Ephesians 2 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's not of yourselves. It's not what you did. It's not what I did. It is the gift of God. What Christ did for us, it's all gift. Your healing is a gift. Stop struggling to work for it. That's why it blocks it. It is freely given, freely received. Forgiveness of sin is a gift. Jesus bore our sins. God made him the sacrificial lamb. The Bible said he laid on him all our iniquities. Period. So by the grace of God, so by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. I see a lot of people struggling with this. They don't want to accept the grace of God. They don't want to. They think I must do something. You don't have to do anything. The Bible says by grace are you saved. It was done. Salvation was provided when Jesus died. It's not going to. So there's nothing you do to make it, it has already been provided. You simply receive it. Simply receive it. If you have that change of mind, you will see the reality of the thing working in your life. People struggle here. You simply receive it. So it's not by works. So there's no work you can do to, att- to attribute your salvation to that. Tatos 3.5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. It's by mercy, his gift, his grace. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace. We are justified by his grace. Did you hear him say you are justified by your works? It's by his grace. We say people will <laughs> come and say, no, it's that same grace that keeps you and makes you walk in the path of God. If you remove the grace of God, you'll be a sinner. Don't you get it? If you remove the grace of God, you remove the hand of God in your life. That's what it means. It's that hand of God. The Bible says we're kept by the power of God. That power of God walking is the grace of God keeping you. Because you didn't pay God to keep you. You didn't do anything for him to decide to keep you. He's keeping you out of mercy and out of grace. Tata straight off again. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs now. See what Jesus also did? 
We are here according to the hope of eternal life. We have eternal life. We are heirs of divine blessing. All the blessings of God is ours because now we are children of God. We are heirs. Verse 8. This is a faithful saying and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Constantly. I'm doing it again. Constantly. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto God. To maintain this is to maintain faith in it. For without faith, it's impossible for you to have good works. Impossible to please God. Good works is as a result of your faith in Christ. And so these benefits are received by faith only. John 20, 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. That's all. It's nothing required. It's a belief. Only believe. And you shall see. Now, God has spoken to us, church, listen to this. God has spoken to us finally and fully through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has spoken to you and me in this last dispensation through Christ Jesus himself fully, and then through people that he commissioned. But first of all, through Christ Jesus himself, fully. Matthew 17, 5. While he, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud. He said, this is my beloved son, in who I am well pleased. What did he say we should do? Hear ye him. He said, this is my voice talking to you. He's my voice talking to you. Hear him. Then the Holy Spirit came and gave the same witness. In Hebrew 1.1, 1, 1, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. Final, full, through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe, verse 3. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he has cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majesty God in heaven. So God speaking to us through Christ Jesus in this last day. So what is Jesus saying about the gospel? about salvation. Let's hear the Lord himself. So in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. He's declaring the gospel. This is my body. And he took up, took a cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirmed the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. That's the gospel. God says, hear what my son is telling you, that this blood is being shed for your sins to be forgiven. Hear him. Now, he said in verse 24, 29, Mark my words, 
I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it with you in my father's kingdom. People really, they think he's talking of drinking wine in the kingdom of God. They say, they see, see, you can drink wine. No, it's not, he's talking metaphorically here. It's not wine like that. He's talking about the wine of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit. It's not, remember in the kingdom we are spirits, we are not human beings. We don't need physical food. So we're not going to drink nothing. <laughs> He's talking about the wine of the new kingdom, the feast of God. The feast is the Holy Spirit. The feast. The feast is calling us. It's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit, so he's calling us to the activities of the Holy Spirit so he can manifest to us everything Christ paid for us to have. So the Bible says in Ephesians, be not drunk with wine. Warren says it, but be filled with the Spirit. So the new wine Jesus is talking is that this, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We're going to drink together in my kingdom the new wine. We are going to be drunk, not with this wine, but with the Spirit of God. Look for 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. To the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The gospel is telling them what he came to do for mankind. What Christ did for us. To preach, the, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Freedom. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Bring healing. Mark 10.8. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. This is given to you freely. And freely give it. Then in John 4, 25, he identified himself. The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. 26, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee, I am the Christ. Man, <laughs> he was preaching the gospel, identifying the Christ, identifying what he came to do. This is what I, the good news. This is what I came to give you. Then John 10, 10, we can't forget John 10. 10. Ah, we can't. John 10, 10, amazing. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come to give you life. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He said, if you believe, you have this eternal life. God says, listen to him. Again, Jesus said, it is received by faith. John 8, 23. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. He said it's only by faith. If you don't believe I'm the Messiah, if you don't believe in what I'm dying, I'm dying to give you, you're going to die in your sins. And Paul came along and preached this gospel. You and I should also preach this gospel. We should also live by it, experience it. Acts 20, 23. Except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life... It's worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. 
the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's what we should be doing. Then Paul urges us in Acts 13, 38, brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. That's the gospel. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. That's what Jesus did. Something the Lord of Moses could never do. Be careful, don't let the prophet's word apply to you because the prophet's warned that some people will not receive this thing. And why is the grace of God so important? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. All we need is the work of grace. That's all we need. My power was based in weakness. When you don't rely on your strength, that's when my power works best. 2 Corinthians 12, oh, 9, we read it before. Uh, at TPT, let me read the TPT, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its expression through your weakness. When you allow me, when you know I have, it's my power, it's my hand, it's my mercy, then you, you, can, you can experience it. But when you think it is me and you, or you doing this, you, then I leave you alone to be doing it. Acts 14, 3. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miracle signs and wonders. Brethren, we have no other way of escape, no other way to freedom, no other way to God, no other way to his blessings, except through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We have no other way to freedom. If the Son sets you free, you are free. You don't have freedom through what you do. You don't have, haven't you been trying? You don't have, you don't have escape from judgment. You don't have escape from de demonic powers, except through Jesus Christ, except through the gospel, except through the gospel, except through the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. The blood, the blood, if the blood was not shed, shed there will be, no, be no forgiveness of sins. None. And if our sins are not forgiven, we are here. Hebrew 2 from 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have had. Or we may drift from, away from it. For the message God delivered through angels was always, has always stood firm. And every violation of the law, that every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes you think, child of God, what makes you think that you can escape if you ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord? We've just been reading how the Lord was announcing it. And God said, listen to him. He said, first announced by the Lord Jesus himself, and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. Jesus himself, sorry, and God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles, miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose to do that. Now, false doctrine denies the grace of God and has its root in works, not grace. It focuses people on human effort human wisdom, 
Whatever they think up comes in their mind of how it comes. You can reach God and please God. They come up with it. But they neglect that you can't come to the Father except through Christ. They neglect the finished work of Calvary. And mostly they preach from the Old Testament. And they use examples of Elijah, Elisha, Old Prophet Testament, Prophet. They don't preach focusing on Christ as our example. Mostly, it's from the Old Testament. Jeremiah 17.5 Thus said the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusted the man. When you make your effort, your hand, your confidence, you draw zero. The arm of the flesh will always fail you. Grace is the arm of the Lord that works for you free. Thus said the Lord, Cursed is the man that trusted the man and maketh flesh his arm. Oh, and whose heart departed from the Lord. He doesn't trust God. He doesn't trust Jesus. He doesn't trust the blood. He doesn't trust the work of cross. He doesn't trust. He, he wants to do something. He had, his heart had departed from the Lord, from the cross. He, he, his hope is built on everything except on the cross. Verse 6. For he shall be like the heat in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the past places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Verse 7. But blessed is the man that trusted in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, never shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful, purple, above all things, desperately wicked. You can know it. Be careful. Your heart can deceive you. You think you are set trusting in the Lord? When actually your confidence is in what you do. Those who trust in the Lord enter his rest. They cease from their labor and trust in the labor of the Lord. This is how dangerous these things can be. Galatians 1 says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ called us to himself through grace. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. The heart is deceitful. But it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. 1 Timothy 1.19 Cling to your faith in Christ, church. And keep your conscience clear for some people have deliberately violated their consciences as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hermanus, Alexander are two examples. I threw them out, handed them over to Satan so that they might learn not to blaspheme. These people were Christians. Now they are no more. They, they willingly violated their conscience, believing a lie, and then causing confusion in church. And Paul said, I threw them out. You know, some people will ridicule the gospel. That should not stop us. 
That's where the one way the devil wants to discourage you. Acts 17, 32, when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in content, but others said, we want to hear more about this. You see, in the world in which we live, the gospel is not popular. Christianity, really, true Christianity is not popular. They will laugh at you. But you know you are going to laugh last if you keep faith. If you don't let them sway you. Time is coming, they will be sneaking to you to, to ask you, to find out from you. Acts 18, 5. And after Silas and Timothy came down to Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, <laughs> you think everybody is going to clap? Even in church, many people won't clap for it. They opposed and insulted him. Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, your blood is upon your head. I'm innocent because I've told you the truth. So what does God want us to do? Acts 18, verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid, child of God. You should stay in with the gospel, believe it, hold it strong. It's the power of God that saved you and continues to save you. All the promises of God fulfilling it are all yours. You should be bold to reach out to them and hold on to that which you have received and refuse to listen to the devil. The God says you are righteous, the devil will say you are not. Tell him, shut up, the Bible says so. Anything God says you have, the devil will find a way to tell you you don't have it. Because he's a liar. So one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid, speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. Many people in our cities belong to Jesus. And so we can't stop talking. We have to find a way to reach people. Acts 2.42. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Now I'm taking time to go through this because this is foundational. If you miss it here, you miss it everywhere else. If you miss it, you miss it in your prayer, miss it in your fellowship. Miss it. You, if you miss it here, you miss it everywhere. Now, the second doctrine I want to start, may not finish, is the doctrine of laying of hands. The laying of hands has always been, it didn't start with the church. It has always been a means through which God's spirit comes on people to do something that God wants to do through them. But let me say something. You see, they will be so wicked. It says from time to time, I think this thing, after some years, he brings something, he, he doesn't have new tricks. This thing about mantle, it's not, it's not biblical. People are following it. Following men, wanting to receive Paul's mantle, <laughs> John's mantle. They don't have no mantle. The power belongs to God, not to anybody. Paul said, we are just vessels that God is using. We are nothing. He said, I don't, I don't want to hear anything. But, but, man of God, I want his mantle. He doesn't have no mantle. He has none. And the word mantle does not exist in the entire New Testament. From, search it for yourself. God, Moses used rod. Elijah used shawl. 
mountain. Can't find it anywhere else. God does dispensational things, uses dispensational things. But to us, Christ, the name of Christ has been given to us. Vested in that name is all the authority of heaven. Vested in is all the authority of heaven. In that name, you can bring down the powers of hell. Oh, they say, Paul, Paul said, I'm coming to impart spiritual gifts on you. They don't read the Bible. Because Paul said, I've been praying to God to, to allow me to, to, if God will do this. He didn't say, I'm waking up and deciding, let me come and do He didn't say that. He, he was writing Roman Christians, I've been praying that God, if it be the will of God, to please send me. Because I, I, I want God to anoint you, people to impact you. He didn't say, I'm going to. He said, I've been talking to God about it. Because only God, only God can anoint people. You can do it directly, you can not trip. Only God. Power belongs to God. It is called the power of God. Not the power of any man. We are saved by grace. All of us. All these things that they bring up and help you see people, they're not doing stupid things. Going around trying to, I'm getting his mouth. Which scripture tells you that? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we are told to do. Let your root be grounded in him. God can use you where he likes, how he likes, when he likes, put in the office. Nobody takes this on unto himself. You can, are you kidding me? All the things you read in the Bible. Where did, when, when Moses when Moses anointed Joshua, it was God that told him. He said, call Joshua. It wasn't Moses that woke up and Joshua was not following Moses. Let me get a mantle of Moses. No. When Elijah anointed Elisha, it was God that told Elijah. He said, when you go, anoint, anoint Elijah as a prophet in your place. All that process is because God had chosen Elijah. All that thing you see is because it was divine plan for it to happen now. If it wasn't divine plan, I don't care how Elisha follows you, what's his thing? The anointing of God is as the spirit wills upon who he wills. Did, did, you, did you read and find out that when Paul was called, he was called on the road. Guess who, who laid hands on Paul? He was a disciple, not even an apostle. It was Ananas, Ananas, Ananas. God told Ananas, you go, go to Paul, lay your hands on him. Go. Was a simple disciple. And the man said, God, you know this man, he's killing Christians. And God said, it's a chosen vessel, you go. You have even shown him vision that you are coming. You go lay your hands on him. And he did. And the man's eyes, boom, he said, so you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because these signs are following them that believe. They handle sick. You learn how some people, they, they're healed, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. You use a regular disciple. And the following the Paul started preaching the gospel. There is, there is some truth in, 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 in working with somebody and the anointing of somebody can rub off on you. There's some, some truth in that. But we shouldn't make it something that you make people following you around because they want, want we are, supposing God doesn't want them to walk in the same office you walked in. 
Do you, do, do you people think that this anointing falls off? God is reckless with this anointing? God says, I'm looking for faithful men. And they say, don't give my work to unfaithful people. They say, give it to faithful men who are able to do it. You're not faithful, you're living your life anyhow, but you find that I'm following this man of God. Get <laughs> this anointing, mantle. I don't have any mantle. In fact, my wife has show. If you want, you go to her. I don't have show. And don't give me your own. I don't want it. Everybody should be where God has called them. And let the Holy Spirit walk your life out. If he wants you to be in an office, you don't take the honor to yourself. He will walk you through it. He'll connect you to who he wants to connect you with. Like he connected Elisha with Elijah. It was him that started it. He said, where you go, anoint him. So the man went and anointed God, connected it. It's God that is Alpha and Omega. Don't follow these things people do. Giving money. <laughs> Donating cars. Don't follow stuff like that. What you need to do is to focus on your relationship with Jesus. Build your knowledge of Christ. Build your faith in him. Let your life be in his hand. Whatever God created you for, if you are faithful in following him, he will make you that. He will bring you to that. He will make it happen. He opens the door. You don't open any door. He calls the ministry. He called Moses. He chose Moses. The, the scripture says election of grace. He called some people from their mother's womb. Hebrew 5.4. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God. As was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself. Even Jesus didn't take this in on himself. To be made a high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. First Kings 19.15. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return to thy way. Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hezer to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shall thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Ebemeholat shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy place. It was divine choice. Let me tell us something. You know when God said, Esau I hate, hated, and Jacob I Loved. It was not discrimination. God was demonstrating to us that he hates man's wisdom. God works only through his promises. You can't give him counsel. So we saw when their father was about to die, he chose Esau to bless him. But he didn't know that God chose his brother. And God has already said it before they were born. 
And the Bible said, they didn't come to this aid to do anything to merit it. It was divine, divine choice. He's teaching us, the grace I'm giving you is my choice. You didn't do anything to merit it. If you want to walk by your connivance of human mind, I'm out of it. The same thing Abraham and Sarah did. They connived in their brain and said, well, we can, we can produce the promise. And God said, that child you people had will never inherit my promise. My promise comes only by the work of the Spirit. He said, for the child of the bond woman will never inherit this promise. It's not going to happen. Who inherited it? It was the child of promise. The one that came by the power of the Spirit. Let's not stop working in our human imaginations and all. Walk by scripture. Stay in the scripture. I think next Thursday we'll talk about it. God was trying to teach us about New Testament and Old Testament. And he said, he said the place I'm taking you to. He says, you shall not walk like when you were in Egypt. You were walking with your feet and pressing out wine. He said, the place I'm taking you to shall be a place where the rains of heaven will come on you. He said, it shall be the days of heaven on earth for you. It's not by your pressing of your leg. And he says, it's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. And I will bring the days of heaven upon you right here on earth. That steadfast love of our Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Hallelujah. They are new every morning. Always new every morning. My Lord, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, Lord, great is thy faithfulness. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. It's not of it that run it, of it that will it. It is God that show it mercy. Those that trust in your mercy will never be put to shame. Your grace is more than enough for us. Help us to stop neglecting your grace. Help us to understand your grace. To know your love so we are filled with the fullness of God. No man can boast. We have nothing to boast about. Our boasting is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who loved us, gave himself for us. Saved us from the power of sin. Saved us from the power of Satan. Wiped away our sins, paid the penalties, brought us to God and made us his children and gave us all the blessings of heaven. Gave us the right and privileges of the sons of God. What a love. What an act of mercy. We worship you. Pray, Lord, that you help us to know these things, be grounded in them, be rooted in them because the devil is going around convincing us it's not true. Making us to fast for them. Try to walk with our feet and labor overnight for them. But it is freely given and freely received. These are the things that keep us walking in your ways until we see you face to face.
These are the things that give us victory. This is all we need to live a godly life and to live a victorious life. Christ paid to give them to us. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.